the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. to the USL show. Uh, if it pertains to living in your team stadium or I don't know, um, hitting a long ball 30 yards to a guy who once proclaimed something crazy at MLS draft day, then well, I've got you covered. I'm your favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger. Sometimes I might be your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, depending on who that is. Evan Valala here. Hiya. Good to see you. Uh, joined by a couple of my soccer friends this week. Um, the Wavy's man, the St. Louis metropolitan area, the uh, never-changing, the always-consistent, the very Schalke-based Phil Grooms is here. We do. We do. YouTube.com backslash the USL show. Uh, you know, Monday, Tuesdays, 10 o'clock Eastern-ish, somewhere in there. So, you know, people in that can see me. But if you're listening to this downloaded, uh, A, thank you. B, uh, sorry, you can't see me. And let's be honest, you don't want to. Between the farmer's tan and the and the really short hair and the no beard kind of thing, it's it's fine. We'll just pass. Uh, hey, speaking of beards, Alan Underwood's here. Hey, how's it going? I'm it's well, friend. How are you? Uh, good. I feel like I am living in the south these days. It is mm-hmm. 80 degrees at 718. There's a decent amount of humidity, and apparently we have a, a mosquito infestation here in San Diego. So um, paradise has turned into not so much, uh, mm. but it's another week of USL soccer, so it puts me in a good mood. It allows me to take my mind off of teaching to the internets. Now I'm just talking to more people on the internets. So. Sure, sure. Or the same, but maybe a little bit more fun because I can have a beer. Iron sharpens iron, you know? That is true. Yeah. Uh, Also here, a man who last week said that he wouldn't go after his doctorate, and I do not believe that for a second. It's Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Evan. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm just sad that when you announced that you're going to get your doctorate and whatever you're getting it in, that you've lied to us now. I did not say at one point that after it my going after the nba is far enough for me i i know that's what you said last week but i'm just saying that i wasn't here to call you out on your on your bf <laughs> so here i am now doing it anyway uh guys there was news there's games there's potential jobs for us which you know serious xm holler at me uh yeah the usl announced a couple things um, Flow Sports, F-L-O-W. I don't know if they're affiliated with the one that we hate that's domestic or not, to be fair. Um, but uh, Flow Sports is going to be the official uh, carrier of many a game in in the USL um, in the Caribbean, which is really cool just because this has always been such a, a league, and I guess leagues now, with a, a very heavy uh, Caribbean flair. So that's a really cool thing to see. And then obviously domestically, Sirius XM, uh, picking up a bunch of games for USL Championship and League One as well, uh, starting next year. So that's uh, really interesting. If they're looking for anyone to do radio, I might know a couple or a couple dozen people um, who'd love to do it. So if anyone wants to get in touch with me, um, obviously the USL knows where to find me, and I'm sure they could get me in touch with the wonderful people over at SiriusXM, which, by the way, I'm a subscriber. So, you know. Yeah, you know, but uh, really bad jokes aside, it's nice to see the USL, obviously, again, um, finding ways to get their product out to as many people as possible, potentially. Uh, Jason Davis, I believe, uh, opens opens court on the United States of Soccer, uh, potential future partners. See, I can already do the plugs, too, so hire me. Hmm. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll do some USL talk, not anything like, like super consistent or pointed. I'm sure that'll change with the USL becoming a part of their, of the regular scheduled programming. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's always been very apt to talk 
uh, USL at least for for you know ten minutes or so at a time. Yeah, I mean, I I have Sirius XM in my car as well, and uh, the soccer channel channel one fifty seven on there is one of my presets, and I use it to listen to Champions League and other matches. So if they have USL on there, there's going to be people who will listen. Yeah, uh, Alan, your thoughts? I just think anything USL can do to get their brand out there in a new avenue, even if it brings in 10, 20 people at a time. I mean, I would say that this show in and of itself was one of the reasons why I got interested in the USL in general. So if, you know, a, a podcast can bring in listeners and bring in lovers of USL, like someone might just stumble on it and realize that it, it exists I know we had a conversation in Orange County with some people watching a game at a watch party in Orange County. And they're like, wait, we have a team in Orange County. Mm-hmm. So just that exposure really, like, even if it's a couple of people at a time, like those people can, might be the key that unlocks uh, a community or a sponsorship deal or something that brings in more viewers right. uh, to the, to the USL. And, you know, I think USL is having a good time right now with viewership. Um, and this just adds another layer. I saw it. I will take it. I will run with it. Uh, occasional friend, occasional foe, Jeff Reuter, uh, Tim Hage. Uh, <laughs> tweeted on the 12th of August about a week ago. Hey, everybody started tweaking. Um, an average of eight times increase in unique viewership thus far during its return to play, including a 50% increase in minutes watched per viewer, uh, which are both increases over last year. Um, obviously there is the, the counter of, well, you know, people can't really go to games. So are they watching because they have to, which fair, but the, the almighty dollar, um, speaks and the almighty dollar really likes to see increases in, uh, engagement and things like that, especially on that wild, wild west that we lovingly call the internet. Uh, so, yeah, for your shareholders, for your for your for your board, for your ownership, for your expansion fees, all that fun stuff. If you're USL, to be able to point to that and go, "Hey, we've a not only been able to run this tournament or this this, this restart to play moderately successfully. Uh, you know, Pony, a couple other people have had a couple uh, good sort of gripes with the system." we've been able to run this thing successfully. We've done it with, with relatively low positive tests, relatively low positive tests. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, increased the, the knowledge and the, the average soccer viewers, you know, I don't know, awareness of Phoenix rising and, and San Diego loyal and these teams. And then you, you sign your deal with Sirius XM and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, more people are aware of the product this year than they were last year, than they were the year before, than they were the year before. And the the avalanche of momentum appears to be on, on USL's side. Um, and to be fair, not to get all weird about it, but I wish that it would have done the same thing for NWSL before they had two of their best players poached by Manchester City. Um, but here we are. Um, and you know, as, as much as USL is going to do a bit of a victory lap, I, I think you have to look at NWSL for being able to do it, uh, flawlessly before anybody in the men's game at any sport, any level had an inkling of a thought to do it. So, but yes, yeah, go for it. Phil. Uh, Loyal and Miami FC. There you go. Yeah. Miami. Eh. Yeah. Check, check, check. You back here, yeah, right? Ah, uh, only on mine. I don't think he can hear me, but we'll. I'll just keep. Oh, uh, fun! No better podcast than a podcast where you can't hear Phil Grimes live. It's even better. Um, I guess in other news, you have uh, the U.S. Open Cup has officially been canceled for this year, which is certainly a shame because it snaps um, a 106 consecutive year run of crowning a national champion. It was the second longest streak, trailing the Northern Ireland uh, Irish Cup. 
as well. And uh, it's just kind of a shame that they won't they won't be able to have an Open Cup this year. Or I guess the news, um, the 2021 Open Division qualifying was uh, canceled as well. So uh, any team of the 38 that qualified uh, this for this year's tournament, it will automatically disqualify for next year's tournament. So they're at least rolling over that. And then the, um, if I had to bet, the CONCACAF Champions League berth that would be awarded to the winner of this tournament is just going to go to Portland. And then Portland's berth that they got from the MLS is back, which is going to go, is is going to go back to what it originally was. Wait. Sorry, uh, you cut off for a second. Did you say the second place team is getting that open cup yeah. spot? Because they well, originally with the uh, open up, they always have um, the Champions League berth. You get one. Um, MLS Cup champion gets one. The Supporter Shield gets one, and then uh, the winner of the conference that doesn't have the Supporter Shield gets one. Currently, with the MLS's back tournament, the winner of the conference that didn't have the Supporter Shield got that berth. But now with the Open Cup not having their berth and it's at the discretion of U.S. soccer to give out this next berth, I could see that going back to that opposite team in that conference. It's not decided, but I, I was more speculating and seeing what can ha- what would happen with that. As it said in the press release, the Champions League berth awarded to the Open Cup champion will be determined in the future. It's interesting because I think that's why everyone's a little upset that you know now there probably the default will be doing something like that, Ryan. And um, it sucks that that's the way it is for us lower league folks. Like I know it's nearly impossible for a USL or NISA team to make it to the final and win. And, and they're not ready. Like, they'd be cannon fodder. Right. Well, I, I mean, as would USL teams for the most part. For the most part. Right, right, right. For whoever the right. best in MLS is. I'm not saying for any MLS team, but for the best MLS has to offer. Um, sure, sure. But I, I, I have seen, like, someone put a... Actually, I think it was actually the Cup US. US, the guy who actually does all the work for the Open Cup, yeah, <laughs> not, not yes. the actual Open Cup people. Um, he put out the tournament he would have liked to have seen as a substitute for the Open Cup, which is just the winner and second place of MLS, and maybe even third and fourth place for MLS. Uh, a couple USL champions, and then a NISA champion, and a couple even USL. League Two and NPSL, basically every champion and a couple second, third, and fourth places thrown in. Mm. It would have been a fun little tiny tournament just for the Open Cup love, right? And then we would have known. And then we would have felt represented, basically. Like a mini, a mini American Champions League where you compile kind of. a bunch of the top teams. Yeah, yeah, that would have been fun. I mean, I think people hype the MLS's back tournament, and it's like, yeah, we ha- we have one of those already. You know, it's called the Open Cup. If yeah. MLS no, really wanted to I, take that so, serious, I get that the I get that there's a diff, a slight difference, but people are excited about this like one game knockoff tournament thing all of a sudden with the Champions League and Europa League, and it's like, hey guys, we've been here before. Yeah. We've already do it. Let's just make sure that is good but and I, exciting. I, I think the problem is that there's so little money in the Open Cup, and I'm not just talking like for the winner of the cup or the mls teams in the cup or whatever but it's just like weird goofy stories where it's like i don't have time to find it but any of the bullshit minneapolis city went through like last year or the year before is crazy where it's like you have to travel to the middle of nowhere and like there's not even a locker room and like all that fun stuff where it's like even just trying to organize like the NPSL slash uh you know league two teams to like play each other is a nightmare because no, for yeah, sure like, I, I just think I, like i don't I really think care that it, go for it i just think that if people are going to be hyping this right now it's like all right we have something here let's invest in it and make it that right, exciting right and, like i don't it's care that mls thing. doesn't give a shit about it because of course they don't because why would you like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing there for you except for if you win, you get a champions league spot which you know okay um I just think the 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 Open Cup should really focus itself on trying to make it as stress-free and as easy as possible for those semi-pro. We have a bunch of college kids for three months and then they go away to college. T 
teams to field a team and not have to pay a stupid amount of money for it and, and not have to travel a stupid amount of distance for it and to have some fresh matchups and you know like I I just for the amount of clout that like Minneapolis City or like Greenville Triumph even have for or, or Ford Madison where it's like why why are they having to foot the bill for all of this mm-hmm. you know like and the federation's not going to care because it's a it's a tournament that was formed forever ago before some existed before ussf existed you know and all, all this stuff where they don't have any like the u.s open cup could die tomorrow almost like it did this year and everything just kind of continues to go on like it did um no, I was just going to say, in 2019, the winner of the Open Cup received $300,000, which per the salaries awarded to MLS players that year is the equivalent of the 267th overall player. It's basically one Sebastian Leggett from LA Galaxy given to the winner. You get 90000 to if you finish runner-up, and then if you're the highest place finisher in your division, you get $25,000, which almost doesn't even cover like any of the travel expenses. I'd imagine. I, I'm, I'm not sure how expensive it was for New Mexico to go play Minnesota last year, but I can't imagine twenty five k was going to cover or all of it. Yeah, but you know, I thought it was interesting what the Canadian Championship is doing for this season since uh, MLS's return to the regular season is going to feature Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto playing each other three times. They're going to have basically a round robin of that and the winner of that round robin will play the winner of the CPL's Island Games in the final of the Canadian Championships. So it'll be the first time I couldn't see the figure, but it was from the cup.us that said, I think it was the first time in, I think, five years or so that there will be a non-MLS team in the Canadian Championship final. (laughs) No. That's kind of surprising, to be honest, but that's interesting. No, no, it's not. The way that bracket always shapes out is really gross. Like, for the amount of, like, oh, the Open Cup's rigged towards MLS team. Try Canada, where, like, there used to only be, like, five professional teams. I just think the problem with the Open Cup is it just it doesn't have a good advocate. You know, it is such a cool tournament. It's actually historical for once for U.S. soccer, you know, and like it could be something great. Alan, all the points you made, I was getting super excited for the possibility of it. And um, it's just got too many challenges this year. I got on and said this is the you know most exciting and historical thing that USL has no value for or has forgotten about basically and and that's not fair but I feel that way you know it's not fair because we're such a giant country and and the travel it just makes it impossible I think in the in the current state of affairs so it was the right decision I think but I'm just like continually every year it is such a cool tournament and I'm continually every year frustrated by how little it's valued and that it just doesn't have an advocate it doesn't have someone stepping up and willing to put money into it and um it's Um, it's not a capitalistic endeavor yet and i feel like that might do it but i don't know how at this point i I think josh akala is that guy um like so it's a non-profit i think the people that run the cup.us are are the are the backbone of that tournament and are part of the reason why it's really interesting um yeah phil i think you're right it's there will never be enough money in the world to make anybody at a professional level care about it, which is fine. <laughs> I would just like throw it into the bucket full of, you know, unfortunate U.S. soccer situations. I, I will throw it into the bucket of unfortunate things that uh, there's a lot of people that like to yell about it for a long time, only to see it never have any um, tangible impact on anything. I th- maybe it's a St. Louis soccer guy thing. Yeah, Phil, do you care to poke at a hornet's nest a little bit? Oh boy, is that our pivot? I think you you brought up uh, you brought up St. Louis. Yeah, I just wanted I just I, I assumed you were making fun of Taylor Twelm in there. Uh, so I mean, I'll always take a chance to make fun of Taylor <laughs> Twelm. I think it's great ideas, though. Um, yeah, I think St. Louis FC is uh, not going to make it past 2020, and it's strange that it's not really a COVID thing. 
could be a little bit, I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's not. It's, uh, we got MLS. We, the strange thing is, first of all, it is that we got MLS and now the team's going to go bye-bye um, because seemingly MLS, the MLS group doesn't care about the USL side. Um, and that's what it looked like for a long time. We had a lot of hope that since our USL owner, Jim Cavanaugh, is a minority owner of MLS, um, that there would be a voice there, there were, that there would be this nice, smooth transition from St. Louis FC to St. Louis City SC is the name we found out the other day. Um, and it's just not going to be that way. It doesn't seem – it seems to me like either Jim Cavanaugh doesn't have any clout <laughs> – in MLS, mm. or he's just kind of rolling with the punches, which either one is fine. Um, but I'll just close with this, that um, it's super sad. I'm super bummed about it. I'm having a really hard time kind of dealing with it because um, it's my favorite team for the last five years. Um, but I think I've found out – I think I have some clues from people that it's not enough people for me to, like, come out and say it, but – I think there's a route that is going to be taken that just makes so much sense that nothing else should have been done, to be honest. And it's a money thing, of course, and it's other things too. Um, But that route could or could not include the academy system, which is Scott Gallagher and St. Louis FC's academy system that got third place in the U19s in the country last year. Um, So it's a good quality academy. We all know who Josh Sargent is. If that's included, if it's not included, I'm going to be upset. And that's that's my new thing to really hang my hat on, that I really like that to be part of the whole system to get us going in good shape with youth and possibilities. So we announced a new GM, and he's a really cool guy. Lutz Fennenstiel, I believe is his name. I don't know if I said it right, but um, he's a cool dude. He's looking to mimic, shockingly, Atlanta United and LAFC which is a lot of money spent. I don't see St. Louis doing that, but he did mention having several homegrowns in the first year. So there's a mixed message there. We'll see what happens, but I'm crossing my fingers that we use the Academy. I'll cut myself off there. It yeah, I was pretty though. bummed. Cause, yeah, I was pretty bummed because that original graphic, it showed like this like pyramid inside of St. Louis, if you will. And it felt very much like, hey, we're going to incorporate what has already been in existence into this MLS picture. And when you look at like Atlanta United, people are like, oh, it came out of nowhere. It's like, no, they really incorporated the community and the things that already existed and built upon it. And that's why they're so successful. Well, like it, it was really sad to see like that not be exactly true. So I, I've, I've had two prevailing thoughts as someone that uh, is a fan of a MLS franchise with a very, very good academy um, that did not show up from nowhere. If you want to look at what happens when you try to build an academy from nothing when you're already in MLS, you can look at FC Cincinnati. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yep. But if you would like... Um, also as sort of not not maybe in addition to that but as a separate thing there is very very few markets that have been able to have a two-side built-in essentially for free into their system that have a very good academy because if people don't know who his first name is scott right scott gallinger mm-hmm. yeah the stuff he does at least to other academy directors, especially with the budget that he has, mm-hmm. is incredible. So the fact that there's an MLS franchise that's going to come in, and I, I, I am convinced that none of these people know anything about soccer. Um, the fact that they're not going to use St. Louis FC at all, apparently, is dumb. And then the fact that they might not even use Scott Gallagher is incredible. Because they're begging, and I don't care how much money your your athletic director or your your sporting director wants to spend. Uh, Like, if you don't know what you're doing with that money and you don't have an academy, it's just not going to work. And and so the fact that there's these, at least a a pipeline in front of you, and you're like, no, we're all right, shows me that you haven't seen the product that you're investing in in 
two years because there's teams that have tried to enter this league without academies. Again, hate to say it, Cincinnati, I guess to a lesser extent, many, uh, Minnesota United, Minnesota United is trying to botch their academy straight to hell too. Um, like, why wouldn't you try to get any competitive advantage that you can? And I don't care if you don't think that St. Louis FC is going to give you, you know, three guys on, on their roster that you can poach a year because they're not. But, like, why wouldn't you at least be like, yeah, we'll keep them around because then we can, you know, shove our 17-year-olds down there and see what happens. I always, I'm looking at it also from a concern that uh, due to the pandemic, they pushed their entry into the league back a year so now that's going to be three seasons in st louis with or three years in st louis without uh basically soccer of any kind and i i i'm concerned what that would do just building up fan support one of the benefits cincinnati nashville and sacramento will have uh, is that they've had teams and will still have a team in the lead up to their entry into the league and they can sustain that fan support until then it's going to be tough to have a drop off of basically three years of no games yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna show my band my band nerdy side here and say one of the rules of thumb when walking into a program that's established is you don't change anything like you roll with it and then you assess as you as you work through a year and then you can make some some changes incrementally but it's really it's really unintelligent of somebody to think that they know better than something that's as established like uh, St. Louis is to walk in and to say, we're just going to change everything. Like at least take a year and like work with that relationship. And if eventually things change, then things change. But if you're going to walk into something that's as well established as a St. Louis club is like, don't change stuff, build on what's there. Like use what you have already because essentially now you're gonna have to reinvent the wheel and that's that's never a smart thing when you're taking over a successful organization yeah like make fun of fc cincinnati all you want maybe they're weak on the youth side for sure but Mm. um day one that march to the game it was killer you know what i mean and it hasn't i think it's still great you know they, they yeah. ramped up straight from USL straight into MLS using the same basic groups. And and especially for y'all in, in, in St. Louis, I, I think it's a little bit naive to just assume that that fan base... Ton of games, many many games, um, and we should probably talk about them. Um, I get, Alan. Who did you watch, or who did you catch highlights of? What was the? Um, I spent most of my time with the West Coast. Um, I watched that uh, a lot of that San Antonio um, Tulsa match. I know Phil yeah. watched that one as well. Um, I spent my time being very depressed watching San Diego not know how to score goals anymore or at all. Um, Orange County looked okay. I think they took a step back this week. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, San Diego outplayed them a bunch, and uh, Las Vegas even put them on their back heels from time to time uh, with some defensive mistakes. So I think there's some shifting of, uh, of powerhouses in the West uh, San Antonio's still doing fine. Um, San Diego's really slipping. Phoenix is coming coming around. I mean, shocker. This is my surprise face. Um, and Orange County had kind of a, a decent week. They still won. They scored three goals and gave up zero. But uh, there was definitely some some a step back, I think, for them. Yeah. 
Agree. So what's the, what's um, the deal with that? We've I watched ta- a bunch of highlights. The full games that I caught, though. Charleston Battery and Atlanta United 2 decided to have a slugfest, which was surprising. Um, not unwelcome, though. Uh, Zyko Lewis, your player of the week with two really nice goals. Friend of not the show, although friend of uh, of yours truly, hi, uh, AJ Patterson set him up with the, with the third for the game winner, which makes me wonder where that was um, his entire career up until this point. So that's exciting. Um, Tampa Bay and Miami hate each other with a passion, and that's really fun. Um, and Portland Timbers, too, continue to be as surprised as I am by Footy Donso being with them. Is that the only good news for out of Portland right now? Yeah. Their first team won the MLS's back tournament. It's true. It's a weird dichotomy, but, isn't it? But I mean, for the two side, yes. The fact that they scored twice against Reno helps. They're the only team in the league with a point. Do better. Tours too. <laughs> I love like the footy dance of signing. I literally tweeted out like, "Wow!" and the, their club account liked it. Cause like, it's so bizarre to me. Where it's like this kind of club legend gets sort of lost in obscurity and like in 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 China or like in the in the Netherlands or something for like three years and then he comes back and so now and believe me I have a soft spot for old dudes on teams with children on them hmm. uh, but it's like a 36 year old center back playing with a bunch of like 17 year old American kids who like probably don't know who he is thing is like. <laughs> Their back line needs the most help, in my opinion. It's true. It's true. But I don't think having a very slow man would, uh, yeah. would help that out. Uh, I don't know. Just I'm just wondering. Just <laughs> just wondering just if, it's, if he might be fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, fine is a very objective term. In comparison, yeah. They're giving up nearly four goals a game. I mean, already at a minus 19 in mm-hmm. goal differential. Uh, you have to, I think, yeah, RGV, uh, Union 2, their sides that have double di- negative double-digit goal differentials right now. Yeah. It's so sad. We got a St. Louis Academy kid over there right now, and I hate to see him done up that way. The Indy-Pittsburgh game was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, a little yeah. bit, right? gets another goal. Um, oh, and we we skipped this. I wish I had my notes in front of me. Um, but Andrew Carlton, like Renaissance, right? Everyone loves him again because perhaps this loan is working. Please discuss. Uh, yeah, I mean, so he had some comments. Yeah, I did. I did. I don't think he's the best playmaker in USL right now. I, I think that either. belongs to Canardo Forbes. Um, yeah. I think there's also a lot of people in the championship that were not very happy to see that tweet, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> in, what, in what way? I'm thinking of a lot of different ways. In a, the idea, and this is, this is nothing, he's been, okay, I have to preface this. <laughs> um, Andrew Carlton has been a revelation. I'm very glad that he's playing well. I am very glad that Indy 11 has apparently been a, a good spot for him to settle down. I think he's playing really fucking fun soccer, and I think him and Tyler Pasher is a really fun combination that should be a thing for a while. That being said, I think to say that he is the best player, best playmaker in the USL Championship right now or, uh, you know, in the last year or two is a very U.S. men's national team slash MLS serving take that is widely incorrect. Yeah, I mean, it's a big league. <laughs> that guy... It's, it's a big league. There's a lot of guys that have been doing it for longer than he has that have been doing it better than he has that are not getting the credit because they aren't weirdly disgraced former youth men's national youth United States men's national team players. Yeah. I think a lot of people are emotionally invested in his success as soccer fans as well. Yeah. So when he does well, it's like, I mean, USL has been talking about Carlton for years about, Mm -hmm. will he figure it out? Does he need a new place? Does he need a new scene? Does he need a, a different coach that's going to hold him to a different level of account? 
And so, like, to see him finally be successful is like, yay, that, you know, the trouble kid is finally, like, but I do think there is an element of, like, we're overlooking the talent that's already here mm. and and diminishing the talent that's here mm. to celebrate someone who's, like, is good and is and has been good. Yep. But I think there's just an, an extra level of emotional investment in him being successful that I wish that other players got that same emotional investment. I agree. And maybe because they're not American, maybe because they're Jamaican, if mm-hmm. you will, that they're being overlooked for just how incredible these players are playing on these pitches. But it's like, ah, because he's American and we always overhype Americans and, you know, Freddie Adu, for example, mm-hmm. that we're so emotionally invested in that next guy that when, you know, someone finally happens, it's like we're over the moon. But I do think it, it, it as a league, it does a disservice to the league itself to not highlight some of these international players who are just killing it. I completely agree. It's exactly what I was thinking that, you know, Andrew Carlton for a guy who covers MLS and USMNT hopefuls. Um, that's the story. Like, he's super excited about it. He sees one game of, or a couple, he probably saw a few games of him doing well and was like, hey, here, I'm going to tweet this. This is great. I'm also going to say he's the best. Well, guys like us know that's not necessarily true. But th- again, like you said, that's not the story. Canardo Forbes is not exciting to someone mm. outside of the USL, whereas we know how exciting and awesome well, that is. And Bob Lilly story. I don't story, even know if it's. I don't even know if he's not exciting. He's just not a name. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you're not like, oh, yeah, Kenny Forbes. Yeah. Because you're like, who the fuck? No one, who? Yeah. But here's the other thing, too, is some of us have seen a lot of Atlanta United 2019, 2018. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. this is a nice lesson to everyone. Uh, And this doesn't have to be hateful at all. This is a nice lesson to everyone that Carlton, yeah, he was an idiot. Um, he made some mistakes with how he operated in Atlanta. He looked this good, in my opinion, practically this good with Atlanta United too. They just sucked. He was surrounded by not this level of talent. You know what I mean? Right. He was playing on a. He was playing on a plus U19 team, basically, is what he was playing. Um, he, I don't think he tried as hard to defend the way he does with Indy, which is really nice to see. And I do, I do think he's motivated because of the environment of Indy 11. He's got a bunch of guys trying to do better than him. He's got guys that will expect more of him if he messes up instead of him being the best on the team. So, I mean, this has been a perfect, awesome thing to see. And I do think, Alan, I think this is what you were getting at, that there's probably a bunch of guys who could be very good playmakers on some really crappy teams in the USL, you know? And so um, I think that's something we should all try to look out for a little bit better when we watch these games with a, a tactical eye. Yeah. Brian, thoughts? I don't know. I, I think it's certainly benefiting to have Carlton's development go into USO. It seemed like it wasn't a good fit in uh, Atlanta United 2 and it was just kind of too early for him at the uh, MLS level but like we were saying it's just uh, there's so this league is so large that to call Carlton the best of them is almost uh, overlooking so many other players within this league like you had said earlier Canardo Forbes which I agree with is I believe currently the best playmaker or in USL Championship like you said earlier Evan it's just uh, it's almost too much to focus on across the entire league but yeah I, th- I feel like the loan deal is still working out for Carlton it'll be interesting to see if there will be more people like Carlton who kind of followed the same route that if it's just not working out the US at the MLS level that you send them to a season in the USL and see how they develop from there yeah that's a new cool developing story too is um, if you compare this loan of Andrew Carlton where it's obviously helped him and it's helped his status um, to, I forgot his name, I apologize, but the, um, the coach of Hartford who came over from Southampton's U23, was, he was a head coach there. He's African, but he played for uh, Southampton back in the day. Um, but he came over and coached, uh, became a coach. He got out of that system and became a coach of, of a USL club, which is a weird, weird move. But um, he, we heard an interview and also a story from... Um, who, who wrote that story? I think it was Nicholas Murray mm-hmm. um, about him. But 
combine that story to with the uh, interview with Uncle Sam's soccer pa- podcast uh, with the owner of Hartford and just hearing like what that guy knew last year versus what he learned from Southampton when he went over there to visit and what this coach has been able to do and teach him and um, they've even brought over uh, this is what I'm getting at they brought over a U23 player from Southampton on loan because of that relationship and um, it's interesting to hear that you, you can think about OC for sure about um, the deal with the Rangers and um, you can think about um, Norwich City um, and Tampa Bay Rowdies having a deal all those guys are sending people over to the USL and they're getting minutes against grown men and it could be better than if they just spent a whole season with a U23 team like USL is somewhere above U23 in England I don't know where they would be as far as Championship League 1, League 2 in in the UK, but um, it's a good landing spot for some players, and I hope that continues to grow because it's a fun story to follow as well. Yeah, those those kids in Orange County from Rangers are are doing a heck of a job uh, keeping up with... I mean, if you watch that Phoenix match, there's a couple of those young kids playing defense against the Solomon Asante and and doing a pretty good job. Uh, So I I think there is going to be a continued... Uh, development of trying to reach across the pond, if you will, to bring in some talent on both sides of the the touchline, both on the field and off the field. I think it's exciting uh, to see that development and to see um, what success that brings to the players and uh, the coaches. I just want to talk to those kids in OC after the season's over to be like, listen, was this easy for you or was like the physicality a step up? I want to, I want the exit interview or I want to be a fly on the wall for that exit interview. Hopefully I'll, I'll put on, I'll put in, I'll put in an email to Chad and see what, see what happens. Yeah. I'll get try. me that interview. <laughs> and is this is about halfway through the season. So is this when Louisville goes on a run and makes yep. it into a playoff spot? They got to win. Carson, give us a comment while we talk about it. I, man, I every year, every year, they're so deep, they're so good. I, I, this is this will be really funny coming from me. Um, I was watching the highlights back of the Phoenix match. I forgot Santi was there. Yeah, and he like, like comes off of the bench even. Like he's just he's, like the embarrassment of versions they have. Where I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, Santi Moore, who would start on maybe literally any other team, is off the <laughs> like very much off the bench for Phoenix. And, and I just I always feel like Louisville's the same way, where it's like, well, okay, I know that Brian Ownby is not going to do anything playoffs, <laughs> and then he's going to score four goals in four games and, you know, lift the cup at the end of the year. So me saying that about him is not going to hurt that bad, you know, um, or at all, because I'm saying it about him. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I can't bring myself to be like, well, you know, Louisville, it's too late because it's never so it's too late. like as long as they're in the thing, they have a chance to win it, which I know is true about everybody. But especially them, I'm always just like, I don't know. Wait for it. Yeah, especially them. I, I was trying to remember who they brought in. I was asking for a striker. I forgot. It's it's Jason Johnson is now yeah. at Loose City on top of that, right? And yeah. because they were struggling at first, I, I thought it was interesting they brought him in, even though they got um, Lancaster and uh, Amber too. Yeah. So, and Jom, like, yeah, they're getting deeper and deeper, even even moving forward. So, yeah, I'm scared because St. Louis is in the group. They're gonna. They're probably gonna take mm-hmm. off here. And I think we play them three more times, something like that. It's kind of crazy. I think there are three points back and game in hand. Yeah, it's close. We're all, yeah. That's, I mean, and that's why we can talk about this next because that's why St. Louis uh, drew against Sporting Kansas City 2 the same Mm -hmm. week that they lost to Tulsa, um, who looked great against us and then totally different against San Antonio uh, a few days later. And what they did worked, and it was what they should have done. Uh, but now St. Louis had to play SKC2 again, and I was all nervous because if that wasn't a win, uh, St. Louis was going to start dropping down to the bottom, um, and Louisville, Louisville City was going to start picking up. So um, that group's tight. 
and SKC2 being okay is uh, making it more difficult. That shocker of, of SKC2 actually being okay. I didn't see that coming. But St. Louis did win 3-1, to one, um, and it was convincing. They got a lot of rest, and you could tell, and maybe that's all they needed. Um, the, the trouble last week was because they didn't get much rest. But that's something that every team's dealing with, so I'm sure we're going to see a lot and hear about that a lot going forward, especially with OC, right? <laughs> yeah, and there's only four teams left who haven't lost a match. So it's been as competitive as normal. Yeah. Um, I think some of the groups are getting tight, and it's been really fun to watch a lot of these really competitive matches. Even Tampa Bay-Miami was, like, enjoyable to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, let's talk about that. I watched um, as much of that as I could. I'm sorry, it wasn't the whole game, but um, they got. I, we mentioned last week how they turned the GM back into the coach, who was the coach for mm-hmm. 18 and 19 well, seasons. Yes. Very Thank you. Um, I knew I'd forget, but um, they looked like a totally different team. Like that team is tough, and they defend. <laughs> the team before oh, he like- took out took over was not like that. I think the, the the week before last week, even Neil Collins was like, "Yeah, we beat him three nothing," but like that's not what that team is. Right? He knew it. Like he was like, "They're gonna, they're a better team than that." And Digweesh this week went, "Yes, we are. Thank you." <laughs> um, I I love those games. There's something very like old school soccer romance about like the games like that where it's like in the rain it's two teams they're kind of close to each other they just want to take each other's legs off for 90 minutes and like i love that mm-hmm. um i think that's because i had to watch bethlehem steel play like st louis fc and pittsburgh river Hounds for like three years <laughs> um and so i just missed that like hey is your leg okay um but yeah it was one of those nice throwback like this is why usl is so much it's just a very unique product i think um for me with that Tampa game for sure um, and then man Phoenix Rising really can't stop scoring Golosos like yeah, every Fleming. one of their goals I'm like wow that was that was pretty alright Fleming's is like practically unguardable like he yeah, found just a dude. nice pocket of space and he was just like oh, alright you're not going to step to me I'm just going to bury this and it's like Watching that as someone who was watching it, hoping the other team would actually like do halfway decent um, and maybe get a point, like it's just like you get a little bit frustrated, and then you, you just got to tip your hat. Like that's just an he's just an amazing talent right now, and he's just playing out of his mind. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he's the best attacker for sure. Um, I saw Sam Dor say that, and I was like, wait a minute, and then literally. I think 15 minutes later, I saw him, I saw the clip of him collecting the ball sort of on the half turn at the top of the box, letting around a defender. And I don't know if he scored, I can't remember. I didn't care at that point. I was screaming at that roulette. It was incredible. How many guys can collect a ball in that little of space, roulette around a guy and take a shot? It's, it's in MLS even, that's, that's hard to find. Yeah, Piranha's unreal. He's right. And that wasn't even like, a terrible that's not even a terrible defender like he's you know he stepped up from league one in lansing to uh, uh that's stoneman and he's had a really good season like yeah. he yeah. shut down shauna coley for you know a good chunk of that orange county match he's a good and defender he died and then that yeah, yeah. and it's like but it's one of those things that's like you can have a great defender and you just get beat by a, a better offensive play and it's just like you get mad but then you look it's like who, how many people in the USL are making that turn? Yeah, and you can't really get mad. It's like they're just a better player, just beat you. Like, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, that's someone yeah. made that comment. I was watching. I forgot what game, but they were like commenting about the uh, Indy Eleven game, and they uh, they were talking about how Indy. Was it the Louisville game where, like, Louisville kind of owned the game the whole time and then um, Pasher came in at the last minute and scored a banger? Uh, Maybe it was Pittsburgh, actually. And so they were like, listen, Pittsburgh did everything right here. Like, they didn't do anything wrong. They owned this game, and Pasher just came in and scored a banger that no one did anything wrong. Where, like, you don't want to tip your hat because it feels unfair, right? But there are just guys in this league that can just do that. 
It's nice that we don't have a salary cap in that way, I guess. Another thing interesting out west is Orange County's played five games and has allowed one goal, and that covers two games against Phoenix. Mm. Now, they've only scored five in those five matches, but only allowing one goal in five matches is is, is pretty crazy. They only have to play Phoenix one more time. September 26th. That's great. I think I think a few teams are. I know St. Louis is like they're taking the mentality like this is a World Cup style tournament um, with the groups kind of in a way maybe extended. But a lot of teams are defending the hell out of the ball early in the season and just waiting for the attack to develop. And I think they'll really pick up speed at the end. Um, and some are succeeding at defending and some are not. But um, I think the end of the season is going to be red hot going into the into the playoffs. The teams that get through are going to be on a roll, I think. Evan, I feel like I've cut you off a couple times. I'm sorry. No, you're great. Um, the other question that I wanted to bring up, since I, I got into a, uh, a friendly debate with Phil Baki about uh, do you so if, if you win this thing do you get the star over your cross yes I, th- I say you do um, I mean look at it from the NBA or Stanley Cup those are still going to count as actual championships but hey both of those had uh, shortened regular seasons or some teams were basically excluded entirely or some teams got in that probably shouldn't have been there. Like, for instance, my Columbus Blue Jackets under a normal season shouldn't have been in the playoffs, but we played our way in. So I view it as it's still a trophy is a trophy. And you should certainly get a star out of it because aside from last season that had the balanced schedule well, just for that one year USL doesn't typically have a balanced schedule to begin with so the season was always going to be pretty unbalanced going into things I think the only thing that you push back on is like the group setup like yeah. the small little divisions makes it a little bit like uh, even more unbalanced between you know some of those fringe playoff teams that if you're in the wrong group you're not getting in uh, but if you're in the right group, you are. But I think it boils down to if your club wins, you put a star on your in, on your kit. Like, you put a star on And then if your team doesn't win, you're just going to banter about it in in the yep. offseason. Um, I, I think for the, the team that wins, it's just going to be just as exciting and it's going to feel just like a regular championship. And I don't begrudge any team that puts a star on their chest for winning the season that they were given. It's not the team's fault that this has happened. But I do think there's a little bit of like, well, I mean, you were playing in this group and you got a little bit easier path to the playoffs and, you know, your grouping was in the easier side of the bracket than it should have been. But when it boils down to it, you play a season, you have a championship, you have a playoff. I think if you win, you put a star on your on your kit and then the rest of the rest of the league can banter about how it's, a, you know, it's an asterisk. Phoenix has leaned in and saying, you know, own the asterisk. I think... It boils down to teams that probably um, aren't and don't have a chance of winning. Is like, ah, this isn't really a season. But the teams that are are, are going to proudly wear that star on their chest. It's kind of like the Open Cup. Like, if you get eliminated in the first few rounds, you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Right, right. <laughs> you get to the last two rounds, you're like, oh, Open Cup is the best. <laughs> yeah, I say if you win the tournament, you should put a star or on the kit. If not, it's still it's another season. You'll go again next year. Do you guys feel like this is more of a normal season than MLS is back? Or no. equal? No, okay. no, no. Shut up. No, it's normal. Shut up. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it, like, yeah, a little bit and the whole, like, regional thing. But I think that also just comes down to, like, USL doesn't have the money or the time or the ability to put all their teams in a bubble somewhere right you know had scheduled out do all that teams, stuff. Where, would we, where would we be able to bubble 35 teams MLS struggled to find a place to bubble four 
You, yeah. you do it like the NHL where there's a couple of couple of bubbles that you do two bubbles. You do two bubbles. Yeah. Multi multi bubble? I'm down for a multi bubble. I don't know. I feel like I feel like since it's regional, since we're not just all in one spot that it feels more real, but it's also not normal to play the same team four times in a season for soccer. So and the thing that kills me is that it's what like Miami and there's a couple other teams that are like we've played four games like mm-hmm. that's that's rough like what Pony was saying last week where it's like well the way the schedule works out it's like someone's either going to like get really hurt or you're going to have a lot of really tired players all the time yeah. the product's going to suffer for it yeah, Atlanta United 2 and Indy 11 have both played the most games in the league right now at 9. And then you look at a team like Miami, Las Vegas Lights, and Los Dos, who've all just played four games. Even during the USL season, there would always be a little bit of and somewhat of an unbalanced uh, table, just that teams playing just like an uneven amount. But that would never go beyond uh, like maybe one or three one to three games off in a normal year because you'd have postponements due to thunderstorms or rearranged fixtures due to open cup and stuff. But yeah, five is certainly tougher to kind of work through. Pulling up any games to see if we missed anything vital. I think we got it, right? How's Sac Republic doing? Okay. All right. Todd on point with Reno at 15, but Reno has You know, Pony has so much uh, faith in Austin Bold, and I mean, they drew San Antonio. San Antonio was at home. I don't know. I, I was doubting Pony, and then I was, I kind of took it back in my head thinking, man, maybe he's right about Bold. They just are able to figure out how to win, even though they don't look flashy. Mm-hmm. He calls Austin Bold uh, tomorrow. Should be rather exciting. Yeah, I think we got him. Great. I would like to hear one more thing about San Diego Loyal not being able to score. What's the deal there, Alan? It's been three matches with zero <laughs> goals scored. Yes. Um, I mean, against Orange County, they were close. They looked good for a large part of the time. Like, they're okay, but it's like in a 34 game season, you can hope they figure it out and do fine. But, like, Irvin Parra's now out. Um, oh. I don't think uh, Lawal's with the team anymore. So that's why I brought in Ben Spencer. So it's like there's not a lot of attacking players. Raul Mendiola's in Vegas now, um, and he was a fun player in the midfield and continues to be a fun player in the midfield. <laughs> but it's just they sat back really far. They put, you know, they were basically 11 guys in their own third against Phoenix. And so anytime they got the ball out, it was like their isolated striker. Um, against uh, you know a Phoenix back four and then a couple of midfielders who drop back quickly, uh, it's been frustrating, um, and it's one of those like you just want them to figure it out and they're going to figure it out. But with a group like Orange County and Phoenix, like they're they're pretty much on the outside looking in at this point already. So uh, that Reno match is going to be a really fun one to see if they can put it together because they were they look good against them in preseason, but they're just. Like defensively, they're pretty solid. Uh, midfield, they're defensively fine. Um, they had a couple good chances against, you know, Sacramento. They had a couple good chances against Orange County, um, and they even had a couple good looks against Phoenix. But they just can't get the any good shots on frame that test any goalkeeper. Like you got to get good shots against Zach Lubin. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just like, oh, we're gonna shoot it on frame and hope it's. So it's a little bit of against good goalkeepers. Frederick Dew uh, in Orange County is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, Zach Lubin made a couple good saves too. Yeah. So it's not like it's failing. It's just there's it's few and far between, and there's no, like, killer instinct on that team right now. You know, we talked about, you know, that Tyler Pasher, just amazing play to put the team on his shoulders. There's no one like that in San Diego right now that's really putting the team on their shoulders. Um how much? It's yeah. How much of this can we put on uh, Landon Donovan just for fun? Um, 
I mean, a, a decent amount, but I know Nate Miller does a lot of the the tactical stuff, mm. um, the, the the trainings. Um, every time I talk to him, he seems really smart. He seems like he knows what he's doing. I put a lot of faith in him, uh, but I, I think it just boils down to their expansion team that built defense first and yeah. hope they had got lucky with like a couple young kids on offense and it just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, maybe this is a get through year one, build to year two type of situation, which I mean, is fair for an expansion team. Like no one, not everyone's going to be in El Paso. Um, you know, it's, I think that's what they were hoping for is you get that one guy who's good um, up top and you kind of roll with that and win. Like if they score a goal, they beat Sacramento. If they, uh, you know, score a goal to different game against Orange County. So it's there. It's just, oof. there's no one there really like who can put a team on their back offensively. Yeah. I think that's well said. Well, thanks for listening. Phil, Alan, Ryan, thanks for chatting. Feel free to follow us at the USL show. Um, tune in next week when I make an Emmanuel Kant reference. Hmm. Yeah. Keep everyone grounded, you know, because because I know people tune into the show for, for soccer, but they're also here for, uh, you know, transcendental idealism. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks to Roughnecks Curves, uh, Icarus FC and uh, the beautiful game Network podcast for having us thanks for listening thanks for for joining us live thanks for all that you do and uh until next time um hey you know don't be a dick that's the one rule here i break it all the time but you know do as i say not as i do